Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. Uh, you might like to open up your Bibles or turn on your Bibles to Acts chapter seven, uh, Acts chapter ten. Sorry, I don't know why I said seven, uh, but um, you might like to have your Bibles available and open, as well as uh, the live event and the U version app, if that's what you follow along on as well. I guess uh, we all have an idea of what it is to be someone of courage. Uh, maybe we all have examples uh, of people who have been courageous that we can immediately think of or maybe experiences that we've had. But I wanted, us, I wanted to take us outside of our comfort zone uh, today to be able to really explore what it might look like to be uh, people of courage. Now, you can decide if this is courageous or otherwise. A commercial pilot taking a selfie out of the plane window. Photoshopped, obviously. The one on the right is not, I'm pretty sure it's not photoshopped. There's this uh, phenomenon called skywalking, although when you do Google search for skywalkers, you end up with a whole heap of references to the Star Wars movies. Um, But there's this group of people who travel around the world and becoming quite famous on social media because they go to the most ridiculous places and take selfies. And one of the other phenomenons is, and I'm not advocating this as a great thing to do, anyone, all right, this is... Stupid, yeah. This is the spirit of stupidity right here. Um, But, uh, and they go and they hang off buildings or the tallest buildings or structures they can find and take selfies of themselves. So yeah, courageous or sheer stupidity? For anyone going on an international flight over the next couple of weeks, all the best. But then, like, they're, I mean, they're images and people can do great acts of uh, things that we might not ever think ourselves capable of. What about people like this? Wilbur, Wilberforce, William Wilberforce, sorry. William Wilberforce, who in the 18th century began to understand that uh, slavery is not a way or a way of life that we want to um, encourage, endorse or celebrate. And it took him 18 years to get slavery abolished through the English Parliament. 18 years. What about Nelson Mandela, who I think spent 27 years in prison? And then as he walked out of prison, he simply didn't walk out as a person of anger or disappointment or bitterness, but as someone of grace and in love, and who was still able to lead the South African country through a, through a change of understanding of apartheid and acceptance of uh, people regardless of race. Well, what about King George VI, who uh, only became king because his brother abdicated it because he'd fallen in love with a divorced woman? And King George VI is uh, the story of the king's speech, if you've ever watched the king's speech. Uh, The king uh, who had a stutter and his whole parliament and even people within his household weren't sure if he would pull it off. He was the king who had to stand uh, or go behind the microphone and announce to his nation that they were going to war. And they were concerned that King George VI wouldn't be able to do this with any sense of courage or conviction. 
but he led, and he led well. And from little bits that I've read and seen, he's been well loved. What about uh, Martin Luther King? The famous I Have a Dream speech where everyone's accepted and began the change, the cycle of change of uh, racial isolation. Rosa Parks, who sat up on the bus of a seat that, uh, or seat of a bus, not a bus of a seat, seat of a bus who uh, was designated for white people only and Rosa Parks said, no, this is enough. Martin Luther King, who motivated thousands and thousands of people to say, this is enough. This is enough. What about the guy who in 1989, as a student, teenage student, I believe, uh, when there was a revolution going on in China and the government moved into Tiananmen Square? Could you tell I practiced that? Did I say that right? Tiananmen Square. And he stood in front of the tanks and he said, that's enough. No one actually knew who he was for a long time. He wasn't looking for any credit wasn't looking for any special attention. He wasn't looking for any medals. He just went and stood in front of the tanks and said, there can be no more deaths here today. What about this young woman who I couldn't find a name, but 2016 was when uh, two young black uh, teenagers were shot by police officers and it started riots for a number of days and weeks. And when the riot police moved in and everyone else had run away in fear, this young woman just stood there with her hands wide open and said, I'm not coming in violence. This was the beginning of the movement that said, Black Lives Matter. And of course, we can go around and say, well, all lives matter. So of course they do. Yeah, of course they do. But that's easy to say. It's easy to say all lives matter when not, we're not the people who are oppressed and struck down and persecuted. What do you count as courage? We want to welcome... Uh, you today, these are people who have influenced culture and they have brought change in thought. They have awakened the world to injustice. They have stirred something deeper that's beyond ourselves. And so if you're new amongst us, if you're reconnecting to faith or the church, um, we, we really want to welcome you and we trust that you've been welcomed already today. We are, over these couple of weeks, exploring our vision to be transforming our community in the name of Jesus. We are exploring as a part of that our values to be present and that we explore this idea of being present with God, present to opportunity and present with others. We also explored, last week explored uh, authenticity brings awakening. Uh, I heard a podcast that reminded me this last week that authenticity is a bit of the catch cry of our generation. And it's one thing to be authentic where we just we can be authentic and tell everyone how terrible we feel and how bad we feel uh, and actually do nothing about it. But the authenticity that brings awakening leads us to holiness, leads us out of our brokenness into wholeness, into uh, a relationship with Jesus. And today I want to explore our value of courage and suggesting to you that courage comes out of conviction. Courage comes out of conviction. Presence brings purpose. Authenticity brings awakening and courage comes out of conviction. See, courage is not so much the final act. Courage is not so much the final act as much as it is the small decisions that we make along the way. Some other stories of courage or courageous people might include a married couple 
who have struggled to have children or have just come to the point where they uh, have accepted they're unable to have children and so they continue to find other ways in which they can serve and live. Other stories of courageous people might include parents who have suffered the death of a child unexpectedly or tragically or even if it was expected. Families who have endured or overcome years of abuse, families who have endured years of drought, the people who have kept going despite the physical limitations, the physical barriers that they've known and experienced and the families who have cared for the loved ones who have been incapacitated by their physical limitations. The husbands and wives who have been the carers. The families who have chosen to serve in third world countries or the people who have struggled through mental illness and the families who have supported them, cared for them, cried with them and laughed with them. The people who have endured treatment after treatment after treatment for physical illness. The families who have moved to Australia in search of more opportunity and greater opportunity and greater freedom. The people who have been told that they would amount to nothing when they were at school and have worked hard and have turned into uh, professional people who have a great sense of compassion and a great sense of strength about them. People who have overcome the heartache of divorce. People who have endured the war and the depression. And just in case you hadn't picked up on it, all of these people sit amongst us today. And you could probably tell many other stories. I haven't left anyone out for the sheer purpose of I've don't like their story and you could think of plenty of other stories. These are the stories of courageous people who sit amongst us today. They might not go down in any history books. They might not even start a revolution. But they are people of courage because they live out of conviction that there is something greater, someone greater that is beyond themselves. And so we've been unpacking this story of Cornelius and Peter who have uh, separate visions from God that brings them together. Cornelius is uh, a centurion of the Italian regiment, we're told, in the early part of Acts chapter 10. Uh, his uh, prayers, uh, he's faithful in his prayer, he's faithful in his contribution to the Jewish temple, he honours the Jewish tradition, uh, he seeks to take care of all people in his uh, realm, it seems, in his jurisdiction. Peter is a follower of Jesus, abrupt, uh, passionate, uh, loud-mouthed, you might even describe him as, uh, thinks before he uh, speaks before he thinks, and somehow God brings these very two different, ideologically different people together with very different expressions, very different ideas. And we have had a sense, and if you read the story of Acts chapter 10, then you get this sense that God is inviting them and therefore inviting each of us, inviting the early church and therefore inviting each of us into something that they have not yet seen, experienced or previously known. And they have a choice. They could dismiss it as them going crazy or they can act upon it and see where it goes. So my thought is, as I've been preparing this message, that sometimes we have conversations, and you might have had the conversations with someone, that said, I don't very often hear from God. I actually want to challenge us to reconsider that and think about that. Maybe we've got an expectation of how we hear from God. Because I would suggest we actually hear from God, but we don't always have the conviction to act upon it. 
You might not have words. You might not have, you might, sorry, let me rephrase that. You might get words. You might get visions. You might have something jump off a page. You might have a gut sense. Why is that not of God? And if it's something that will bring life and purpose, if it's something not against Scripture, if it's something not against the greatest command of God to love one another, why is that not an act of God or a word of God for you? We might hear from God more than we think, but we need a conviction that gives us the courage to participate and step into and act on what we might hear. See, we are all a part of conversations. We are all a part of friendships in our schoolyards, in our homes, in our neighbourhoods, in our workplaces. Jesus has said of anyone, of, of those who are following him at the time, and I believe of anyone who's come after, you are the light of the world. See, the issue is not what Jesus has said. The issue is whether we believe what Jesus has said about us. Do you understand the difference? And we can often go through life saying, well, I've got no value, I've done nothing special. According to whom? Because often we're comparing ourselves to what other people have achieved or done. See, courage, I believe, comes out of conviction that Christ is greater than our fears. And Christ is calling us into something that we might not yet know or understand, but he is doing a work in us and through us and for us so that his glory might be made known. In Acts chapter 10, verses 24 to 33, the following day, uh, Peter arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius, the centurion, was expecting them uh, and had called together his relatives and close friends. So Cornelius has sent uh, his attendants and someone, uh, his servant, out to find Peter. Never been introduced before him until this got this vision from God that says, go and look for him. Uh, Peter comes back with those that were sent after him. Peter's brought a few people and Cornelius was expecting them. I love that sense. That sense of expectation. That sense of something special is happening here. I don't know what, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to make sure other people are included in this. I long to have that kind of expectation when we gather here every Sunday. What would it look like to have that sense something is shifting and I want to be a part of it. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him, fell at his feet in reverence, but Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself, which goes a long way to Peter's character and heart. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people, and he said to them, You are well aware, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. If you receive something from God, if you receive a stirring of your heart, at some point you've got to leave behind something, if not everything, that you have previously known if you really want to step into everything that God's got in store for you. If you want to hold on to your traditions and the way that things have been done and the way things have happened in your past, you are going to miss out because what you're saying to God is actually, God, I only believe that you're this big. So I guess when we get to this point, like Peter who says you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile, we might not say those sentences. We might say something along the lines of that's never happened before. We can never do that. 
Really? So how big's your God? See, we're only able to step into something when our conviction is beyond ourselves. We're only able to step into something when our conviction is beyond ourselves. Because we're often held back by our own incapacity or what we believe is the limits of our abilities, aren't we? I don't feel like I'm really capturing you here today. I feel like God's up to something, but I'm not sure if I'm not there or what. Brene Brown, uh, social scientist, psychologist, you can choose courage or you can choose comfort, but you cannot choose both. You can choose courage or you can choose comfort, but you cannot choose both. And could this be one of the greatest challenges of the modern church, that we have too easily chosen comfort? that we have too easily chosen what we think is important, that we have too easily chosen how it used to be, that we have too easily made our excuses, and so we have limited our God. See, the conviction of, his, of Peter is his desire to reveal more of Jesus and to become more like Jesus. What's our conviction today? And if you're not a follower of Jesus... But you're here because you're exploring that there's something more. You're exploring and saying, actually, this life is not all I imagined it to be. I want to say that Peter moves and the scriptures constantly tell us of these people who stepped out of what they knew and understood because they understood that something was happening that was beyond themselves. And for Peter, he wanted to become more like Jesus and he wanted to reveal more of Jesus. What's got your attention? See, he doesn't talk, he doesn't start. What I love about this story is that Peter doesn't walk into the environment and go, Well, Cornelius, you've been doing this wrong all your life. That's not how we do it from my tradition. What I love about Peter is he doesn't start by saying, Well, Cornelius, who do you think you are? He starts. Peter began to speak in verse 34. I now realise how true it is that God does not show favouritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. So he's acknowledging some of the story that Cornelius is aware of. He's acknowledging the part and uh, the understanding that he already has. He's affirming the story that Cornelius is already involved in before Peter already showed up. Um, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging, they killed him, by hanging him 
on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Here's the story. He doesn't deny that Jesus was murdered. He doesn't take away that there's some tragedy here. He doesn't hide behind it, but he doesn't start with a sense of accusation and condemnation. He starts with the truth that is the peace and the good news through Jesus Christ. That takes a certain amount of courage, doesn't it? But he's only got that courage because he had a conviction to get down off the roof where he was staying previously a couple of days earlier go downstairs, meet the men, every decision along the way is an act of courage. And this is where it gets really interesting. Because we see in Acts chapter 11 then, uh, well, I'll read part of the story. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, this was the central church, the central body, the governing body of the early church, if you like, The circumcised believers, those who have grown up in tradition and law and their heritage and their families had the heritage, they criticised him, that is Peter, and they said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with him. This is against the law. This is not how we operate. This is not our tradition. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. You can go and read Acts chapter 11 and read the same story that happened in Acts chapter 10. We get to verse 15. Peter explains it to him. What I love about this is that Peter doesn't go to those in authority and say, you know what, get over yourselves, you morons. I actually love the humility of Peter that has actually got the courage to go back to those in authority and tell them the story. I know what I'd be inclined to do. What would you be inclined to do when authority questions you? Peter actually says, As I began to speak, after he told them the story, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. And then I remember what the Lord had said, John baptised with water, but you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. So he goes back and remembers the conviction of Jesus, who Jesus is, and what Jesus had promised. And he lives out of that. That's his conviction. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? Well, he's not an idiot, that's for sure. When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Man, if only we would have conversations like that. See, some of us understand this encounter. We live the life that we want. We make the decisions that we want because we think we're the only person they affect. We make decisions that um, around our sexual behaviour, we make decisions about the way that we treat our bodies, we make decisions about the kind of food that we eat, the drink that we have, we make decisions about how we manage our books. We make decisions about the way that we treat our family members, how we treat our husbands, our wives, our children, our colleagues. We understand this movement from once I didn't know Jesus 
to now I have experienced Jesus. We understand, some of us, the mistakes that we've made that we wish we could wipe from our memory. The decisions that we've made as we've got caught up in the moment. But see, when we encounter the truth and the peace that is the good news in Jesus Christ, it begins a transforming work in us and courage is needed. And do you know why courage is needed? Because at some point, we have to go back to those people if we've been convicted by the Holy Spirit and we've experienced a change of heart and mind and behaviour, we have to at some point go back to those who have seen us behave in that way and explain to them the change in us. Have you ever had to do that? Go back to your colleagues and explain, actually, no, I'm not filling the books anymore because I believe in Jesus. Go back to your wife or your husband and apologise for the way that you've treated them because you've had a conviction of Jesus. So that's a tough place to get to, isn't it? Because the transforming work of Jesus might begin in us, but then the work begins for those around us that we actually want to say, actually, I want to become more like Jesus and I want to reveal Jesus to you as well. It takes J.K. Rowling said the, the author of uh, the Harry Potter series has said, it takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to our enemies, but just as much to stand up to our friends. I remember it's, it's same, same, but different. Um, I remember when I was going through ministry training, we, would, uh, we had this class called, uh, it was called the preaching class, um, and I absolutely hated it. Absolutely hated it. Because I could stand up in front of 25 people who I barely knew. I could stand up in front of 200 people and you know, I, I could preach a message. But stand up in front of 12 people of your peers and explain yourself? That's something else, isn't it? Stand up in, in front of... But, and that's true of every circumstance. We could, we could talk about our faith... With strangers, we could talk about um, how we know Jesus and we could talk about what, why we go to church and why we're part of the church and what that means to new people that we've met. But to talk about that with our friends, with those in authority, that's something different. And it takes courage that comes out of conviction. See, in that moment, you're putting yourself in the spotlight. Courage isn't about achieving a great feat. As I said earlier, you might not ever take a great selfie that will go viral. You might not ever stand on top of a tall structure and have some claim to fame. You might not even go down in the history books. But our courage is a call of invitation to live and speak of who Jesus is and what he means to us. And the only way that we can do that is if we have the conviction that Jesus has changed us and continues to be transforming us. And our desire is to become more like him in all of our ways. And that then becomes an invitation for others to encounter him so they might be transformed into his image. So then I guess the question is, well, Simon, that's all very well. How do we do this? I've been thinking about this a lot personally myself because I know I'm not always a person of courage. I know when I stand with my friends and I go out and have coffee with my friends and I catch up with people and they tell me some stories, I'm not always someone of courage. And I, 
that for me, as I've thought about this week, means I've lacked conviction in my faith at times. So I've been thinking about how do we live as people of courage? What is it that we could do that help us step into being people of courage, recognising the conviction that Jesus Christ is Lord and Saviour? And that's the first question, isn't it? Is Jesus the rule of my life? We don't like talking about the idea of king or kingdom because we don't understand that, and particularly as a nation of convicts, we wrestle with authority. But the reality is the first thing we've got to be convicted of is Jesus the one who sits in authority over my life. That question hasn't changed. What's the conviction I have in this moment when I make this decision? Is Jesus the one who I declare as King and as Lord? Because we spend so much time talking about him as our Saviour, and indeed he is. He is the one who restores us, renews us, refreshes us, grants us a place of refuge. He is our Saviour, but he can only be our Saviour if he is our Lord. The one who guides and directs our paths, who establishes our plans. So how? How can we take this out to our friends? Well, who's one person that you can be intentionally praying for this year? One person that you can be intentionally praying for that they might come to know Jesus. One person that you could be intentionally praying for that you might be able to share your faith with. One person, just one Just one person. Who can you be intentionally praying for? Might be a neighbour, might be a colleague, might be your husband, might be your wife. And I know some of you are already doing this. And some of you are probably feeling tired and worn out, but keep going. Keep going. And live out of the conviction that Jesus is Lord and Saviour. Who is one person you'll be courageously praying for? And who is... um, What intent or what conversations and invitation are you creating to go the next step with that one person? In your life groups, do you pray for that one person? Do you name them? Do you put it on the table and say, I'm going to pray for my friend, my neighbour, my colleague, Rowan? I want to pray for opportunities to declare that Jesus has changed me and I want the courage that comes from conviction that Jesus is changing me. Will you pray with me? And name him every week or her. And tell your stories. See, I think part of the problem is that we think we make too many mistakes. And we only fail when we stop trying. Um, and then in conversation, what do you think about that when they raise, I don't know, same-sex marriage, just a light topic? When they talk about their finances, when they talk about the stock markets, when they talk about Donald Trump, when they talk about our current political crisis that's got nothing to do with leading... Anyway, don't get, I won't start there. What do you think about that? Tell me about that. I'll be praying for you. I actually uh, married a couple yesterday and I was messaging the bride-to-be earlier the week and, and uh, messages. I saw them on uh, Sunday afternoon. I went and saw them Sunday afternoon and I messaged her. We were trying to finalise a couple of details. I said, you know, I hope everything's going well. She says, Simon, I've come down sick as a dog. 
I thought, all right, here we go. All right, we're praying. I'll be praying for you. Man, I felt sick in my guts. I don't know why. Um, she messaged me back a couple of days later and said, I feel great. Yeah, so I was pretty chuffed. Um, I was able to say a couple of friends this week, you know, I'll be praying for you. And you know what? They didn't slap me. <laughs> Nor did they tell me to shove it. Or maybe we could get really daring. Do you believe in God? Tell me about that. Why do you think like that? Have you been to church? Would you like to come? You know what? I'll even come and pick you up. I'll buy you a coffee on our way. I'll meet you out the car park. What's the conviction we've got that Jesus is doing something in us that we actually want to reveal him to others? Who's one person this year? Heaven knows that space isn't an issue. In heaven or on River Road. Who's one person? See, what God has revealed to you cannot be unheard or unknown. Peter could have stayed up on the roof. He could have enjoyed his lunch. He could have had his snooze, afternoon snooze. Instead, he chose to step into it as an act of courage. We can choose to ignore it. It's better to actually discover life and step into the revelation of the Holy Spirit. See, if we have a conviction that we are loved by God, and if we have a conviction that that love has been fully revealed through Jesus Christ, then maybe we could have the courage to declare his good news. And that kind of conviction, friends, that could create the courage to be a part of transforming our community in the name of Jesus. Who have you given your life to? Who's, who's the authority or what is the authority in your life? And maybe it's time to declare a new conviction and have the courage to step into it. So as we sing our closing song, uh, the song that declares that God is doing more work, encouraging us in new ways, revealing fresh things to us, um, that there's other songs to sing and more people to be in relationship with. The invitation, as we said at the start, earlier in the service, there's an invitation for prayer. There's an invitation to confess Jesus Christ as Lord. There's an invitation to be ministered to. We really want to invite you to have the courage today to step into and follow what God might be awakening in you. Thank you.